Hello there and welcome to CIO UK Leadership Live. I'm Doug Drinkwater, the editor of CIO UK. And for this session, I'm joined by Rashik Palmer, who's the Chief Executive Officer at BTS, the Chartered Institute of IT. Rashik, thanks for joining me this afternoon. Doug, glad to be here. Fantastic. So, Rashik, you've had a long and illustrious career, over four decades, I believe, working at IBM, most recently as VP of Technology, also a visiting professor at Imperial College, and obviously advising clients for your time at Big Blue on everything from cloud computing to digital transformation. Where I'd like to go today in our conversation, I'd like to speak a bit about your career in IT, the new role at BCS, I believe you started on the 1st of October, and really diving into the role of BCS within the industry. And if time allows, we'll look a bit at on tech for social good, and the importance of diverse workforces, which I know is something close to your heart, but also close to what BCS is okay. trying to do through some of its research. And as always, uh, with the CIO UK Leadership Live, we'll try and ask some questions at the end to find out who the real Rashid Palmer is uh, towards the end. And I think we've got some nice, uh, slightly off the wall questions uh, to, to keep it nice and light. But Rashid, I guess so first of all, I've given you a very small pot of history of what you've achieved in your career, but just talk us through a bit around your career so far. Um, and did you foresee, a question I always like actually is, did you foresee being here? Did you have a North Star, this is where you wanted to go, or did your career unfold in a different way? I suspect it may be a bit of both. Um, so really, I'd never expected to be in this role today. Um, in, in fact, um, getting to be an IBM fellow, an IBM distinguished engineer, if you'd have asked me at the start of the career, would I, would I make that? I'd have said, absolutely not. And, um, it, you know, it, it, I think what I've tried to do throughout my career is, is a very simple thing, which is try to be the best I can be at this moment, see what opens up as opportunities and pick the one that looks most interesting and aligned to what I'm trying to do. So so that's been the, the kind of um, mantra, if you like, I've been I've been working towards. Um, in my early career, I was I joined IBM at the heyday just before the PC was launched, which was phenomenal. And actually going through that whole excitement of launching the PC, getting it in everybody's houses, and that was amazing. Um, and then going through the absolute low time of IBM when uh, uh, you know there was a huge amount of layoffs. It was a really difficult period. And then the recovery and and so on. So so over the over the time at IBM, I've got I've been blessed by having a great set of experiences, and I've always tried to balance my my role in deep technology, try and pick technology areas and, and stay close to those. Right? So PC to start with, networking, mm -hmm. uh, large systems, um, and a lot of it around systems management, and then technologies and disciplines and so on. And then in the in the later half, getting into cloud, cloud computing, some of the AI work as well. So, so I've tried to I've have had a good spread. Mm -hmm. and, and as I left IBM in July last year, um, I referred to it as transition because I said I was going to transition. I don't, I don't think you ever stopped working. I think mm -hmm. it was transitioned into something else. So in theory, I retired from IBM. And uh, this BCS opportunity kind of unfolded in ways that I didn't expect. And and so here I am. And and I think it's a fabulous opportunity for us. And I'm, I'm really excited about what we can do with the BCS. Yeah, fantastic. So just from the BCS role in particular, I know you've got some objectives that you're looking to achieve. Just talk us through those in terms of and, and where you want to get to, I guess. Where's the where's the kind of North Star that you're you're aiming towards? Yeah, and, and so you know, with the BCS, um 
professionalism is really, really important in the industry. And, and I always refer to the industry as, as relatively uh, immature. Okay. Mm -hmm. and, and why do I say that? So IT has been around for 70 years and we've transformed life in ways that you wouldn't imagine. But we're still at its infancy. If I look at the OPEC report that was published uh, last year, it said 46% of jobs as we know them will be significantly transformed through digitization in the next uh, in the next uh, 10 years. And, and my own calculation says that's about three quarters of a trillion dollars will shift because of that digitization. And, and so we've got to steward that digitization in, a, in an appropriate way. Mm -hmm. right? At the same time, there are significant crises that mankind faces. Sustainability is one of those. Um, pandemic is another one, obviously. And, and those, those kind of crises, those you know, societal issues demand that technology is applied in a meaningful way into, the, into society. And, and so I think BCS has an important role to play and help steward the professional to make good use of that technology. And, and that's why the BCS has a, a big linkage with the responsible computing. I, I pioneered responsible computing when I was at IBM. Mm -hmm. and, and so the BCS is one of the founding members. And so we think about how do we how do we make that happen? And the third aspect is, you know, as you think about what it means to be a professional, professionals that we rely on need to have competence in a way which makes sure that they can achieve the outcomes that they're committing to. They need to be accountable. So they need to be accountable for some of those words because some of the technology we build now can actually seriously hurt people mm -hmm. to the point where you know, it can, it, people can die if the technology is built, not built in the right way. Mm -hmm. So they need to be accountable for that. We need our IT professionals to be ethical and fundamentally they need to be much more inclusive because if we build technologies and we build technologies using a homogeneous male team, mm -hmm. they won't understand many of the topics and issues that others faced. Mm -hmm. And if we want the technology to be good for mankind, then mankind needs to be representing those projects. And that's why I'm so passionate about the whole inclusiveness agenda. Mm -hmm. And so from a BCS perspective, we're looking at a range of initiatives to unlock the potential of the 66,000 members, increase their competence, mm -hmm increase their accountability through a whole range of mechanisms, help them become much more ethical by giving them the kind of ethical guidelines and structures and best practices. And then using our, our kind of convening power to be able to create a much more inclusive works office, right, right from age two to 18. So we provide that whole school's curriculum through accreditation of the universities, right through to ensuring that in the workforce, we're much more inclusive. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, I guess you'd argue then that, that the role of BCS in industry is, if anything, it's, it's never been more important, given the fact that tech for social good and, and to your point around some of the newer technologies being introduced have a massive impact on humanity and actually just the, the planet as a whole. I know you're doing some work on sustainability at the moment. I guess, what do you say to that? BCS has a more, a bigger uh, you know, role really within the industry as a whole to, to drive some of these initiatives. Absolutely. And, you know, when you look at IT professionals, um, they're all looking for the best practices. They're looking for, you know, learning. They're looking for mentorship. They're looking for career development structure. They're looking for, for guidance because there's a plethora of stuff out there, mm -hmm. but it's bewildering. You don't know where to start. You don't know what's real, what's not real. So by curating some of that CPD content, mm 
we can help our our professionals get better um, by providing mentorship from you know accredited professionals yeah. by having people who are chartered IT professionals by having fellows mentor you you know you're getting advice from the best mm -hmm. and they care about you and, and your future and you're not tied to whatever your employer says or you know what your mate says or whatever you, you've got some really clear support in helping you progress and be the best you can be and i think that's needed now more than ever mm -hmm. you know there's 2.9 million sorry 1.9 million it professionals in the uk and and of those I wonder how many of them think about their career in this kind of way, or are they just doing what what's almost referred to as working from paycheck to paycheck? Yeah. Right. What I'd like is help people to go from paycheck to paycheck to working from project to project, and ultimately to work from adventure to adventure, yeah. because computing can help you create tremendous capability, and those adventures can transform people's lives and and really make things which are absolutely phenomenal. If, if you look at the uh, the work that we did just for example with coding black females mm -hmm. yeah right? they they identified there's 20,000 black women missing from the workforce mm -hmm. yeah. right? because they haven't had the opportunity they've not had the support they don't see somebody like them in the IT profession and so the role that the BCS has to play is to make those role models very evident and inspire those young girls to go and follow those kind of computing careers yeah, absolutely. Actually, that's a great report that uh, with with CBF, and it's something that we've spoken to a dozen black women in technology since. And that mentorship is absolutely invaluable, especially if you have any ambitions of moving into more senior roles. Which I think was one of the findings of the report that actually a lot of black um, women in technology are failing to to make that to make that move. I'll come on to a bit on diversity in a minute, though. But I do want to just go back to your point around stewardship and. Uh, also accreditation right because I think we you mentioned the layoffs at, at IBM a while ago we're seeing obviously that mass scale at the moment in Silicon Valley yeah. um, it's an interesting one isn't it because you can argue that certification is important accreditation is important but at the same time to your point about diversity actually as an industry there's an argument for have you got the right aptitude have you got the right kind of um, ability to be work part of a team because the tech skills can kind of be be taught so what's your view on that because i guess in some cases you do need accreditation you do need formal qualifications but in some other cases actually you can cross train or you can upskill in into this industry so yeah so so look i i always think of a professional as having three core capabilities they have the technology expertise around a set of technology segments that are relevant and current and important for your employer they need to have a technique set of expertise. So how I do DevOps, how do I do um, you know, security analytics, how do I do performance engineering, how do I do you know, systems uh, assurance, how do I do uh, performance engineering testing? So, so there's a set of disciplines or techniques that they need to know. But they have to work as part of a team. So they need to have those pure communication skills, leadership skills, written skills, um, negotiating skills, right? And, and if you don't have those, then you can sit in a corner on your own, but you ain't going to be part of a team. Mm -hmm. And and there's very few projects now, which is just a one-person project. Mm -hmm. Most projects require a team, and so you need those skills. And so when you look at the certifications that we have, we recognize that. So we think about you know a chartered IT professional needs to have the technical skills. They also need to have a deep set of techni technique skills. They also need to have those personal skills. So, so when you're a chartered ID professional, that should stand for something. And it does stand for something in the industry. Mm -hmm. If you become a fellow of the BCS, 
you know, that's that's something that's prestigious and you you, you should be proud of the fact that you've got there. And, and and yeah, I see that on LinkedIn every day these days, you know, that people just made fellow and they're, they're celebrating that they've got to fellow and how that's going to help them unlock the career. It basically means that once you've got that fellowship, your CV goes above somebody else's on, on the intro for, for that, that recruiter, right? Mm-hmm. You, you're getting into a point where you can, you, you know, your value is, is, is a little bit higher and your chances of success a little bit more. And, and, and at the moment, as you say, when the marketplace is so tough and you've got so many layoffs, if you're not relevant, you're not stayed relevant because you followed your CITP or your, your FBCS, right? You're more likely not to, to, to stay in employment, right? So I, I would argue that the, the, the mentoring, the CPD helps people become more relevant, stay current and be more valuable in the marketplace. Yeah. Absolutely. Just on the, in terms of the recruitment processes at the moment, I mean, what's your take on what, given the, the kind of mass layouts we're seeing, what what can organisations do to actually improve the quality of people that they're that they're attracting, but also to that point around diversity, you know, making sure. I think the the black women in tech was a good example of, I think it was zero point seven percent of of um of population work, you know, black. Uh, women work in technology compared to I think 1.8% of the population as a whole and 3.2% black people in the IT industry so I guess the question is how does as in, in recruitment how do we level it up a little bit to make sure that this is a career um, for, for anyone who, who shows the desire and has the interest and hopefully some ability to go with that so Doug you know it starts really at simple level which is when you're producing your uh, job application uh, job adverts have you thought about the language that you're using so that it attracts the right people, right? Mm-hmm. All too often, I read these adverts and I think, there's only going to be macho males applying for these because of the language you've used, right? So it starts very simply. Let's get the language in a way which makes it inclusive. Mm-hmm. And then, um, you, you know, within IBM, we were doing blind uh, interviews, so blind CV analysis, right? So when you look at the CVs, Often there's a bias. Everybody has this bias. You look at the name and you 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 instantly read the CV based on that name. So we take the names off. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you just read the content, right? yeah. and that again gives you a letter, level of inclusiveness, which makes a huge difference. And and then it comes back to how you're projecting yourself in the marketplace. Um, think about how your your kind of adverts go out there with pictures of individuals. Are those pictures? the right pictures? Are, they, are you representing yourself as inclusive? Um, and then when it comes to presenting role models and, and showcasing your capabilities, are you showcasing the right kind of role models? Right? Are you, are you, are you making yourself look like an integrity base? People will go, people have huge choice out there. Although we've got lots of layoffs, the marketplace is still very buoyant. Right? It's still a, an employer's market, sorry, employee's market. And um, you can choose your place to go and work. And, and as as you think about where to work, people are choosing based on things like how inclusive the space, mm. what kind of benefits am I going to get? Am I going to get that nurturing and CPD to to progress? Right? Is does the purpose aligned with my per- personal purpose? Right? Those kind of things are much more important now. Mm. So you've got to showcase those in a way which attracts the right colleagues to work in the team and helps you realize the potential of the business. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that piece around mentoring is uh, and role modeling is so important. I think we've seen some bad examples of that, haven't we, down 
Yeah, I think the one that springs to mind is is uh, GCHQ advertising for people to move into security, and the the imagery was stock photography. You know, it was it was a clearly a model rather than someone actually yeah. working as an architect, for example. But um, no, some valid points, and I, I guess the valid points are. You know, I've spoken to many CIOs that say that diverse teams are, are the best teams. So even if you're cold hearted and have no interest in this, you should want to do it because you get a better performing team. But also, I know you've spoken a bit around, uh, which is a key point around, as we look at emerging technologies, in particular AI, you know, to your point around four blokes around a table or four white men around a table, um, you know, the input, the output is going to equal the input, right? So yeah. you need those diverse voices. Absolutely. And, you know, so if I, if I look at projects, um, and, and I'm being, very fortunate to talk to people uh, in all kinds of industries uh, tied to the online safety bill, and yeah, we care very deeply about that from a from a BCS perspective. We have to protect young people, mm-hmm. and and you might say, well, that's really hard, and you know, with the social media and so on, there are techniques that you can apply here, and we I don't think we've done enough to showcase the, some of the the techniques that can be applied to to help reduce the the potential for harm mm-hmm. you know, we've we've followed the money largely yeah. and we've gone for things that allow those algorithms to maximize the the uh, outcomes that that the the organizations have mm-hmm. so it starts with actually setting the right kind of objectives um and and you know we don't nobody wants governance nobody wants you know regulation but i don't think we've got a choice here unless the it industry steps up and 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 becomes the grown-up in the room in these things we, we're going to be forced with that and that's part of the reason that i've championed responsible computing mm-hmm. that's why i want to be able to take the best practices for, for what does responsible data use really look like mm-hmm. and how do we how do we showcase some of those best practices around responsible data use what does what does ethical ai really look like you know ibm's done a lot of work in that space as of microsoft and google and so on but they've all got slightly different views yeah. let's pool our knowledge and expertise mm-hmm. let's use the platform of the bcs to integrate that and part of the reason we have the fellows technical advisory group in the bcs is to bring together all those voices the academic voices the, the voices from the, the people like the googles and microsoft and so on and then the voices of people like the cios and the, the cio teams who have to apply that in their business right because the last thing that any cio or cto wants is to be on the nine o'clock news or ten o'clock news because they've had a breach or they've had an ethical use of AI or they've, yeah, you, know, you, you can see the list of anxieties are there. We want to be able to provide practical guidance to help them in this really difficult time. Yeah, absolutely, machine. I mean, I guess to turn on its head a little bit, the flip side you could say of the technology advances. Uh, it's not just ethics or, or trust or governance as you mentioned, but uh, I was on a actually a BCS uh, event the other day. It was around digital inclusion or digital exclusion, and mm-hmm. I guess there is that danger, isn't there, that as the industry as a whole advances, many people, and I guess we largely associate that with the elderly, but not entirely. It could be people from poor social economic uh, backgrounds. They get left behind in in all of this, don't they? Absolutely, and we're trying to partner with. Um... Uh, with different cities on looking at how we can contribute to that agenda. Um, so had some very early conversations with um, Bradford City Council. You know, Bradford is the youngest city in the UK, and they have phenomenal issues with how do they help their young people find a future for themselves. And, and in there, there's a, num- a whole bunch of amazingly talented young people. They don't have any access to role models for 
digital careers. So how do we how do we expose them to some of that? How do we help them progress? And, and part of the reason that we're helping create um, or hoping to launch a, a BCS foundation is to be able to provide us kind of a bursary scheme because a lot of those people don't have access to a laptop. They don't have access to the internet. And, and so they're kind of reliant on what they can have in school or, or on public spaces. And so they can't progress a career speed and pace that we, we would want them to. And, and so how do we help provide that kind of support through the BCS and that's that the, you know, we are a charity, so we should be doing some of the charitable things. Um, the Digital Divide is a specialist group that we have within within the BCS. And what they've done is packaged up a set of best practices for how people have been helping. Um, we got some early conversations with some of the community foundations. Um, again, often you find the community foundation is a space that has access to the people that can really make a difference. Um, you know, they, they, they're struggling with technology. It's not necessarily the elderly. It could be somebody who has um, ended up not being able to work because of a disability um, or, or, or an illness. Somebody who's a carer who hasn't had the opportunity to access those technologies, but has that ability. Right? It could be somebody who is, um, you know, in, in, a, in a vulnerable space because of the, the environment, the home environment that they have. And those that the foundations have access to those people and they can, you know, through the digital divide community that we have, we can tap into some of the expertise and and package some of the best practices to help them with with simple things like how do I go and do my online form application for this benefit I need to have? Because they don't know how to do that, right? There's some very fundamental data. They're being excluded from access to services that's provided because they can't use the technology. And you can't phone anybody, you can't go ask for help. You've got to get on this bit of technology. So so how can the BCS members, through the volunteering, help there? And that's part of the things that we're trying to do here. Yeah, absolutely. Now, I think that's what's quite exciting, actually, is that it seems there's a greater awareness in the industry, but also great collaboration. You know, I know like the Digital Poverty Alliance and others are, are doing this. And obviously, this, this has been on the political radar for some time, I think, since Francis Maud's inclusion trashies almost 10 years ago so i think it's finally there's some joining the dots i think uh freddie quick one of our uh community members would, would probably say of how you bring this all yeah. all together yeah. um if almost out of time but i guess where next do you think we're going to see in the industry as a whole where do you think the industry is going and, and uh, crucially what does that mean for you and the role of bcs so look, I, I i still see as i said the it industry in its infancy mm-hmm. um there are a phenomenal number of problems out there we could we could address, right? Whether it comes to providing sufficient water, coping with climate change, helping make um, healthcare more affordable, reducing the amount of waste, you, you, you know, the problems are endless. So how do we steward technology in a way to address some of those societal issues and really make the world that we want to be part of? That's that's where I'm I'm trying to position the BCS. I think BCS has got a lot to do there. We see the technology moving at a tremendous pace. Things like ChatGPT, mm-hmm. Perplexity.ai, um, Quantum, which is just around the horizon, right? So there's a, so a whole bunch of these technologies, and we don't know what's going to happen with things like uh, you know VR and AR, and um, how will we really leverage the 5G and IoT capabilities to to really transform some of the uh, aspects in life? Mm-hmm. And I net it down into a couple of simple things, right? Um, I, I documented the three laws of digitization, right? There's a, the first law says, whatever can be digitized, somebody will find a way of doing it. 
Right? So that's that's kind of obvious. Yeah. Second law says when it gets digitized, its value tends to become free. Mm-hmm. And that's a scary thing. That's what people try and avoid. Mm-hmm. But you know, it's it, it, well, what I say to people is be digital or be digitized because somebody's going to do it to you if you don't do it to yourselves. Yeah. And then you've got to come through that and say, well, so where's the value? And the third law of digitization says the value comes from using the new data to create new value. Right? And that's what you've got to do. You've got to look for that new data and use that as a way of finding that new value. And, and so I think there's a, there's a new set of skills that are coming forward. And, and I summarize the skills in, in five animals, right? So there's a, there's a, <clears throat> the, the, the data gatherers, they're the squirrels. They look at how do we gather that data? There's the owls who are the wise ones who, who look at how does data transform business process parts of daily life. There's the algorithmic geeks, the foxes or wolves who hunt in packs and write that cunning bit of algorithmic code, which does some magic things that nobody can understand. Mm-hmm. Then there is the, the data engineers, and they're the ones that we often ignore. I refer to them as the owl, the um, the, the weaver birds, the small mm-hmm. birds that build a big nest. Yeah. They look at how do we create reliable, robust, dependable systems for the future. And then there's the, the ones that we often don't notice. They're the hawks. They're the ones that are flying high above. Mm-hmm. And they worry about the ethics, the legality and privacy of what we do. Mm-hmm. So, so for the future, I see this, this, this kind of you know menagerie of five animals and five core skills yeah. that everybody needs to develop over a period. Or you need to certainly make sure you have access to those skills to be successful. Yeah. I guess, Mashik, where I was going next with that is I guess no one CIO or CTO will have necessarily those five skills, but it goes to the <laughs> earlier point of building the right teams, right? Exactly. Exactly. It's a team sport, and you've got to make sure you've got a balance of skills. And actually, those, those five animals are a good way of looking at, do I have the capabilities I need for success in my team going forward? Yeah, absolutely. Now, Rashik, um, we always like to finish here on CI UK Leadership Live with a couple of off-the-wall questions, a little bit out of the, the ordinary. Um, I'm going to start with what you're most proud of, and that could be personal or professional. What what kind of sticks with you? So so I think my, my proudest moment, I've got a couple of proudest moments. One is is actually achieving uh, IBM Fellow in, mm-hmm. in IBM. Um, yeah, there, there are, there's only a hundred and something fellows in the whole of the history of IBM. So to have done that living in Leeds um, mm-hmm. is, is quite a quite an achievement. So I'm I'm absolutely you know, amazed about that. Mm-hmm. Second thing was I, I got a, um, a a medal from uh, from Prince Williams mm-hmm. for um, for the work that I did. Um, it was for business and innovation. So it was recognised uh, through through an MBE, which is absolutely amazing. So so I think you know. I always try and do the best I can. I don't look for these things, but but actually getting those is is, is a great um, is a great honour to have. Yeah, absolutely. And then finally, Rishik, I'm going to add kind of two questions in one. What what do you kind of do in your spare time? I know I'm going to prompt you in a couple of areas actually. That I know you're. Uh, I think you blog about tea and have also produced a book on happiness. We probably haven't got time to go into the weeds of what that actually looks like. But just talk <laughs> us through what what motivates you, what keeps you going in your spare time. So, so look, I have a very simple motto for myself, which is um, <clears throat> try to create the world that you want to be part of, mm-hmm. and and that's that's kind of driven me and continues to drive me. Um, so, so I have a Sunday blog called Sunday Sprinkles, and and that really looks for little bite-sized, you know, sprinkles of of insight from from things that have, and that's where my tea blog comes from. So, so one of the things I talked about was, you know, did you need a cup of mint tea? Because often you get caught up with the caffeine and all this kind of stuff. 
but actually mint tea is really valuable because it's a good refreshing drink and it's good for the health and so on. And the happiness book really came to me because um, sadly I, I was faced with uh, with bowel cancer many years ago, and 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 facing that kind of a, um, a personal life crisis, uh, you start to reflect. You do some introspection. You start to reflect on your life and reflect on lots of things. And I realized that um, you know there's a need to help others and and share some of the insights. Right. So mm-hmm. so soon after. My bowel cancer, mother passed away, and then some of my other uncles passed away. And so we had this kind of, uh, basically, this kind of sadness across the whole family. And I wanted to try and cheer people up. So I thought, let's write something on happiness each week. Mm-hmm. And and um, so for a year, I blogged on, on happiness. So just a small status update. I wasn't going to take something that anybody else had produced. I wanted to some, have some original work. Mm-hmm. Did it for a whole year. And uh, at the end of it, People liked it, so I, I wrote uh, my fifty-third blog post. Uh, it was actually on Facebook. Post was, well, that's that's fifty-three done, and I think um, I hope you all liked it. I think somebody else needs to be responsible for the happiness of the group. I'm done with happiness, right? Mm-hmm. And, uh, and and I got this message back saying you can't stop now. You got to keep going. So so I took those messages. I thought if people in my Facebook group like mm-hmm. them, then maybe others will as well. And that's why I turned it into a book. So that's that's how the book was published. Oh, that's fantastic. Is there is there one piece of advice you'd leave people with in terms of, I guess there's no silver bullet to, to that, but what would you leave the audience with? So, so I'll actually give them three very simple pieces of advice, right? The first one is learn to learn. Success in the world now is based on how fast and how effectively you can learn mm-hmm. because things are moving so fast, you can't learn everything, so you've got to learn to learn. Mm-hmm. Second thing is always focus on your strengths, People tell you you're not good at this. Ignore that. Focus on your strength. Make your strengths the best they can be. Mm-hmm. And and by the way, the weaknesses will improve because you focus on your strengths. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the third thing is, do the things that get you out of bed mm-hmm. rather than keep you awake at night. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Nice. So, so so if you if you focus on those three things, yeah. you'll have a wonderful life, a wonderful career. Fantastic. Well, an uplifting note to, to finish on, Rishi. You got some really good advice there. So um, a pleasure to, to talk to you. And thanks so much for joining the CIUK um, Leadership Live. Really interesting conversation to hear about your career and, and what BCS is doing to support the industry. And, and best of luck in the year ahead, I should say. Thank you. Fantastic. And of course, thanks to you for tuning in today. I hope you found that a valuable session to take away. For CIUK, I'm Doug Drinkwater. Thanks. Goodbye. And we'll see you soon.